Hey, we're back. It's Leading Edge Medicine, and good morning. We are here with Dr. Jerry Mixon and Dr. Samira Umat. I'm Lynette, and we are taking your calls. Here is the phone number to get through. It's 800-465-8770. That's 800-465-8770. And let's go to our first call here. We have Jerry. Jerry is on line one from Gig Harbor. Hi, Jerry. Good morning. Hi, Jerry. Thank you so much for your patience. What can we do for you on Leading Edge? I don't hear Jerry. I don't hear Jerry either. Jerry, speak. <laughs> I wonder if he just walked away from the radio for a minute. Yeah, okay. tired of waiting. Yeah. You know what? We'll come back to Jerry, keep him there, and let's go to line two with Frank. Hi, Frank. Silence. Uh, Frank, okay. hey. Frank isn't speaking either. Okay. Okay, we're not hearing Frank. All right. Okay, while we're waiting for Frank to get on the line, let's talk about the, um, you were talking about the food allergy testing earlier. Yeah, and actually I want to introduce Dr. Pentland. I know yes. that our audience knows him. He's been here with Dr. Mixon before, and today he's joining all of us in the clinic. Um, see, I mind what I say yeah. <laughs> I get into trouble with what I say here. No, we just laugh and giggle at you. Yeah, all. you do. <laughs> Mercilessly teased all the time. Well, Dr. Pentland, welcome to the radio show. Thank you. Um, you have been a great addition in the Kirkland Clinic team, and so happy to have you here. I know you've been extremely successful with your clinic practice and your patients, and everybody says very nice things about you. And uh, so uh, thank you for coming on and joining us today. So um, we have been working hard to add a new food sensitivity test to our clinics. We do have one. We've always had a food sensitivity test, but over the years, we've been using it less and less. But we do recognize the significance of food sensitivities, and they're actually becoming more and more important. So I've been we're looking for another lab that would offer us different panels, more panels, and at a price that would be approachable to more of our patients. And we finally found somebody local, and we are going with them starting next week. We will be able to offer four different food sensitivity panels. So for all of you that have issues and think that this might be a problem, this is the time to talk to your doctors at Longevity, and as early as next week, we can start testing for it. And um, Dr. Pentland, do you want to say something about the food sensitivity tests? Well, I come from a GI background and yeah. worked a lot with patients with gastrointestinal problems. And, uh, of course, a lot of those people had food sensitivity issues. So I've done a lot of testing for that for my patients and uh, be happy to help patients. In and I guess time. the big question is, you know, you've because this was your slant, you've actually seen it make a difference in people's lives. Absolutely. People lowering blood pressure, yeah. uh, reducing wow. dependence on insulin, lots of benefits. Okay. So it's not just um, fatigue or uh, symptoms like bloating or gas or lack of energy. Um, and, you know, a lot of people will say that they uh, feel ill after eating. It's mo mostly you're talking about tangible things like insulin resistance and dependence present medications and so many other things. Yeah. So often it's not even a GI 
symptom uh-huh. that, that they're dealing with. Good. And they sometimes don't even know that it's a food that's causing it. Wow. All right. All right. That that's something to ask your doctor about, those food sent- sensitivities. All right. We've got Jerry back on the line. Good morning, Jerry. From Gig Harbor. Hi there, Jerry. Well. Okay. We're not hearing Jerry. So uh, let's try Frank on line two. Nope. Nope. Okay. So back to food sensitivities. And what are some of the other things that we should be aware of that might be happening now that we're into fall and that weather is changing? With regards to food sensitivities? Anything. Yeah. Anything that might that we might need to be concerned about or we can ask our doctors about. Well, yeah, I mean, with the season changes, there's a lot of things that are happening that are different. We're going inside, we're drinking less water, we're drinking more coffee and tea, we're dehydrating ourselves more, (laughs) we're more tired than usual. Mm. Our nutrition changes a lot. We go for comfort foods. We go for more foods, although you never need a seasonal excuse for more foods. But comfort foods more, you know, the pastas and the potatoes. And it's all fine if you can burn it off, if you don't have inflammation and if you don't have any other issues uh, with the food that you eat. But food is an integral part of life and it is a source of joy to all of us. And you want it to continue to be a source of joy. But over time, there are we recognize that there are certain things we just can't tolerate. And so hence, testing for that and measuring objectively rather than guessing becomes important. All right. right. Let's try again with Jerry. One more time. Third time's the charm. Yeah. We had that earlier with Kay, didn't we? (laughs) We Yes. Hello, Jerry. Hi there, Jerry. There he is. Wonderful. Okay. Jerry, uh, calling in from Gig Harbor. What can we do for you this morning? Can you hear me? Oh, yes. Yes. Speak. Okay. Great. Okay. Uh, two, Two questions. One is from a a very um, uh, worried grandfather who has a grandson uh, that's transitioned from uh, female to male and not taking the right kind of hormones. I've listened to your program for uh, a good 20 years. And um, so what I saw was on the counter three different uh, hormone pills taking orally, one was Premarin, and, uh, which is a no-no as far as you said. And uh, so what I'm interested in doing um, is she's at, uh, at the University of Washington, close to where you guys are. Grandpa would be more than happy to pay for the, the treatment uh, you know, he would need. Um, and I'm worried about the health. Uh, the legs are about cast are about three times the size they should be. Um, so I'm calling to find out um, if, if, if this is something that uh, you can work with. Oh my goodness gracious! Okay, wow. yeah. Let's start with this. This yeah. is a male to female or female to male. It's a female to male. The transition has sort of taken place. Uh, I don't think that uh, call, her, call her. Yeah, and, and there were three different capitals. I didn't get into it too much uh, because, you know, it's very sensitive. I'm supporting the parents who are supporting uh, their daughter now, so to speak. And 
So I have to be careful uh, not to uh, jump on toes too much. Yeah. So, okay. so again, my question is, uh, if if uh, she, he is taking oral hormones, um, I'm for the bioidentical, and yeah. I want to ask you uh, if I'm on the right track. All right. Well, first of all, if this is a woman who is trying to be a guy, uh, primin would be the wrong drug. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Because that is a that's an estrogen. Okay, it's a mixture of, of estrogens extracted from the urine of pregnant horses, and so only yeah. one only one third of the estrogens in that in that compound are f- ever found in human beings. The other two third are only found in equine species, horses, donkeys, and zebras, uh, never in humans. Mm-hmm. So it, it's not a drug that I approve of for women much less for a woman who's trying to imitate a man. Well, I wonder if there's a reason for that transition. Maybe they're weaning down or cutting back or slowly. Yeah, I have no know, idea. We don't know the medical history. Yeah. Uh, but you're absolutely right to be concerned. Um, and I guess the predominant hormone should be testosterone. And testosterone is not a pill. You have to take... Well, it a, can be, but it shouldn't uh, be. It shouldn't be, yeah. Yeah, t- testosterone taken orally increases the risk of liver adenomas. So you don't want to ever... I mean, we aren't designed to eat sex hormones of any kind. Um, so we try well, to... You rub it on the bioidentical? Yeah, yeah, either the injectables or uh, transdermals, which is the creams, right. bioidentical. Or the, um, the subcutaneous pellets. Pellets, yes. Can all be done. So, but, but not through the gut. Um, so, you know, I would, I, I disapprove of the route. Uh, I have serious questions if this is a, a, a young woman who is very unhappy with being a woman. Uh, my first choice would be to get her into a good psychiatrist and try to figure out why she is so unhappy being a woman. Uh, because, you know, yeah. that's what she is. And that's, a, that's an excellent suggestion. You know, there's a lot that we can do to help yeah. her imitate being a man, but she will never really be one. Um, so, you know, they, and the fact is that early on when people are doing these transitions, they their mood improves, they are happier because they're doing something towards what they think they want to be. But in the long run... Suicide rate goes up. Uh, people tend to be once the the novelty wears off and the transition has completed, and life doesn't get better. Um, they tend to slump again, and this time they go down even worse because they you know, what what they had put so much time, money, and physical disability into turns out not to solve their problem after all. Uh, you know, people who who are so unhappy about a most basic part of their of who and what they are, that is their gender, um, tend to be very unhappy yeah. people to start with. So the, the incidence of the question, psychosis and depression with these people is very, very high. Yeah. So the question is, uh, if he still want, she wants to transition fully to 
uh, a guy uh, and is happy with it, can you work with uh, the right kind of hormones, uh, transdermal and so forth? That'll, I suppose we could. That, the thing that worries the thing is, right. Yeah, well, I suppose we could. The thing that concerns me about it is we don't really have long-term studies on female to male. Uh, we don't know what the, the 20, 30, 40-year results are going to be of pounding a woman with testosterone levels that are 10, 12 times what her physiology is designed for. Um, you know, we, I mean, we, can, we can lower her voice. We can make her hairy. Uh, we can certainly get the testosterone levels yeah, to where they need to be. Yeah, well, her, her legs are very, very hairy, and, and she's put on a lot of weight. And uh, so, again, as a grandfather or lesser, I'm worried about her. I'm willing to sure. uh, pay to see as well if I have the acceptance and approval of the parents, which, which I think could be forthcoming. Okay. So I just well, want to see where you would fit into this and what appropriate time, whether it's initially get, get the psychiatric treatment, and if uh, she doesn't want to do the psychiatric Adric treatment, then it would be difficult for you to work with uh, my grandson. Well, I tell you what, why don't you um, schedule a free health analysis visit and the first set of labs, and um, I will uh, do the initial evaluation and get more uh, information from the history, and then maybe Dr. Mixon and I can talk about it a little bit, and then we'll give you our honest opinion on whether you should proceed with us or not. Does that sound fair? Okay, so that'd be the initial labs. Uh, yes. Which is more than just the two free tests, okay? Which yeah, the I, yes. I would be yes. willing to do. Yes. Yeah. 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 The, the two free I mean, tests you, you won't give us much information that. in how to help your grandson, but the initial series of lab panels mm -hmm. and spending an hour with your grandson will be necessary to give us some idea of whether you, we, we can help or not. And if and I'll talk to Dr. Mixon, and if together we feel that there is some scope, we will definitely do our best for you, okay? But but if we can't, we'll let you know okay. after the first panel. Okay, that, that, sound, that sounds good. So when I make the appointment, should I mention that uh, you and Dr. Mixon will be reviewing this? Yes, tell yes. my team that, uh, uh, yeah, tell my team that it's a health analysis appointment and that you will proceed with the blood draw and that I will be seeing your grandson. So when I set the appointment, I asked to set it with your team. That's right. Kirkland office, my office. That's right. Yeah. Okay. I have, do you have time for one quick, quick question? Sure. Uh, okay. Uh, I, uh, seven years ago, a virus hit my heart and uh, caused the AFib, and I've been on warfarin since. And uh, uh, any little touch of my skin uh, bleeds. And my question is, what is your opinion of the new ones like Eliquis compared with uh, the, the Warfarin? Eliquis is safer. It has a lot more a lot more cost associated with it, but it is much safer. Um, 
statistically, the incidence of pathological bleeds, that is, bleeds into your brain, your eyes, your kidneys, and so on, are one-fourth with Eliquis compared to where they are with the sodium warfarin. And with the warfarin, you have to test regularly, and foods can affect your bleeding capacity. And with Eliquis, that's less of an issue. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The, down, yeah. the downside and, and of Eliquis thing, is right, cost. Well, that's not a big problem, uh, fortunately. Uh, my pharmacist who does the INR uh, said that if you miss one dose one day, you're not protected. So that, that, that's what sort of freaked me out. I, I, I'm right on schedule with all my medications but you know did you have any insight into that i mean obviously you are you want to take the medication every day and you don't want to miss it so if you are missing by accident that's a different issue but we do have scenarios where patients will be uh, taking a lower dose for a period of time for certain uh, procedures so we do know that there is a risk benefit ratio but it is measured carefully and i don't know that one missing one dose will be so detrimental Okay. All right. So, well, thank you very much. You've been very, very helpful. All right. Take care, sir. Bye-bye. All right. We do have one caller that wants to get in. Goodbye. Thank you so much, Jerry. Uh, We could try to at least get his his, uh, question in. All right. Okay. Frank is there with us. Hello, Frank. Good morning, Frank. Uh, Good morning. Uh, I'll try to be quick because I know you're running out of time. Uh, My wife is... This follows up on a call from last hour. My wife is 59, and she's postmenopausal, and she has been had a bone density scan, and she is osteo, does have osteoporosis. Mm-hmm. And as we're considering the different treatments, uh, obviously taking hormone replacement therapy is on the list. Several years ago, I heard you talk about um, someone calling up worried about cancer, and my wife has concerns in this area. And you were talking at the time about how certain um, regimens of hormone replacement actually do increase cancer risk and others mm-hmm. do not. And Precisely. I was wondering if you could clarify that. Well, there was, the study that scared everybody was a Women's Health Initiative study back in 2000. And they used a mixture of Primarin, which is equine horse estrogens, with uh, Provera which is a synthetic progestogen. It turned out over the next 12 years, as we kept going back and looking at that study, um, in the original study, they said, that, well, they saw a 27% increased risk of breast cancer. But as we looked at it, it turns out that the Provera, the synthetic progestogen, actually increases the risk of breast cancer about 67%. The estrogens alone lower the risk of breast cancer about 30%. And so what you were really seeing with that 27% rise was the estrogens lowering the risk and the Provera raising the risk. Um, When you go on appropriate estrogen therapies with adequate testosterone for women, uh, the risk of breast cancer does not go up. It goes down. So, you know, we can give her the benefits. We can stimulate her, her bones to grow bigger, thicker, stronger. Uh, we can improve her mood. We can help get rid of depression. We can make her more stress tolerance and we can lower her risk of depression or of uh, breast cancer all at the same time. 
Okay. Um, so my understanding was that, you, that from what she had, what she's read is that progesterone does need to be included in a HRT. Is that correct? Right, but not the synthetic progestogen. Provera is medroxyprogesterone acetate. That is the worst and most dangerous of all of the progestogens. Real human progesterone does not raise the risk of breast cancer at all. In fact, it slows the growth of many breast cancers. Mm Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. All right. Uh, Frank, real quick, um, real quick, Frank, we only have uh, 30 seconds to go on our show, but uh, the engineer would love to give you a phone number that you can call and we can continue this conversation in about five or 10 minutes on our other program. Okay. Because we want to talk with you. All right. right. Hey, thank thank you. you. Leading Edge Medicine. Boy, talking right up to the uh, minute until we we have to go. We are live every Saturday right here. Leading Edge, of course, brought to you by Longevity Medical Clinic. We would love to see you here for that free health analysis appointment that Jerry was talking about just a few minutes ago. Here is our contact information, 866-86-YOUNG, or you can go to our website, lmclinic.com. See you next week. Medigap versus Medicare Advantage. Which option is best for you? Also, ADLs.